Test, test, test. Amen. Test, test. All right. We want to welcome you this morning. Welcome to Bethany Baptist Church. It is a joy to see each and every one of you. Thank you for being part of this service and being part of this day. It is the Lord's Day. No better place for us to be than in the Lord's house. And so if I would invite you to stand with me to your feet, stand with us to your feet, and let's sing at the cross, at the cross. truly is joyful when we think about what God did for us and his work on that cross on our behalf. He purchased our redemption. He purchased the price of our uh, freedom. And so uh, let's continue to worship him singing, There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son.
continues to play would you turn to your neighbor shake hands tell them good morning let them know with a smile on your face that we're happy they're here each and every one of you we're so thankful you're part of this service take a few moments to just say hi to one another this morning Well, we do want to remind you this afternoon, we do continue on with our connection classes, those are the small groups, and we'd invite you to be a part of that if, you ha- if you're not. And then also the youth group. Obviously, there is a youth group tonight, uh, 5 o'clock or this afternoon, I should say. Come on back, be a part of that, invite a friend. It's a great time of growing together as a youth group and growing together in the things of the Lord. A lot of topics that are dealing with things that youth are going through, and so we encourage you to be a part of that. Thankful for Brother Jason that heads that up and his whole team. Thankful for that, and we're looking forward to what uh, what will take place there. Speaking of the youth, um, next Saturday there is a youth outing at uh, Donna's Corn Maze, and uh, so we want to invite everybody to come out and be a part of that if you want to invite a friend. It is $12, if I'm not mistaken, $12 per person, and so we invite you to make sure and be ready for that, but we'll, I'm sure uh, Mr. I, uh, Brother Jason's got a meeting uh, this afternoon after the connection classes with all parents. He'll give us more information there and let you know what to what needs to be done for that uh, uh, youth outing on the 8th of October, which is next Saturday. Uh, well, we are so thankful. And I know uh, the ladies' meeting is coming up uh, at the end of the month, right? And it just happened. All right. End of the month. All right. Well, uh, we are so thankful for what God is doing in our church and in our midst. I know we had a, a leadership meeting yesterday morning. It's just exciting to see what God is doing in so many aspects of our life. And I know uh, Pastor was sharing with us some of the things that we're trying to do to really uh, hone in our missions program and what we're doing there and just speaking about how amazing it is to see God continue to provide in that area. Uh, you know, as a church, I think every month we give over $5,000 to missions. And we're so thankful for every giver, uh, but not only our missions program, also just as our church. As we march forward, uh, it takes 
uh, of our offerings and of our missions and of our giving to be able to take the, the work of the Lord forward. So thankful for every giver and every gift that is given. You can give through the app. You can give online. You can give in the offering plate. During this service, we don't pass the offering plate. If you'd like to give, you can go to the back of the auditorium and one of the offering plates you can give there. But we're so thankful for everybody that's giving. And uh, we want to ask for God to bless the offerings this morning. So we're going to pray for that. And then we'll sing, My Worth is Not in What I Own, a wonderful song that we've been learning as well. So let's uh, pray and ask God's blessing on the offering. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness for us. We ask that you would guide and bless in a mighty way in our church. Father, we thank you, Lord, through all that has happened, your provision and your guidance and uh, your providential care for Bethany Baptist Church. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to provide and guide and uh, help every giver that is giving today to be able to do it with a joyful heart and to be able to continue to see the work march forward and to be um, uh, faithful in our tithes and offerings. And we just thank you for all that you have blessed us with. And we ask that you bless the offerings this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My worth is not in what I own. truly be satisfied in him alone. May that be our pursuit. May that be our desire this morning uh, to do that. 
I'm excited. We will uh, sing one more song, and then we'll uh, listen to the message of preaching of God's Word. And then I'm excited as uh, this morning we'll be baptizing some more people that will be uh, following the Lord in believer's baptism. We're thankful for that. And I notice all these songs, they speak about the cross, the Redeemer, speaking about the fact that we were purchased and that our value is not in ourselves. It's our value is in, in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It was on that cross that He paid that price. And this last song reminds us of the price that was paid for our redemption, for our salvation. And so let's worship together singing Man of Sorrows.
Applause the worship team. Thank you, Brother Josue, Brother Samuel. Amen. You may be seated. How wonderful it is to be able to praise a living Savior this morning and, and to just really glorify what he did on the cross and glorify him. That is really our greatest purpose in life and as Christians, that's our greatest aim, uh, is to glorify uh, our God and to exalt the Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. And as you're turning there, I do want to just mention this. On the tables there in the back of the auditorium, you'll find little uh, these little papers that are for the purpose of prayer requests. Every Wednesday, uh, we have our prayer service at 645. And uh, we go through all the prayer requests that are, are given to us. We actually put them on a list put them in a small little binder, and everyone that comes on Wednesdays, we give them a binder. And we have three different sessions of prayer. Our first session is praying for our missionaries. And what we do is we'll read a letter from one of the missionaries that we support. We'll get to hear what they're doing in the country that they're doing that ministry. And uh, as we're listening to that, we actually also write them simultaneously. We all, we give uh, uh, papers to everyone that comes to that service, and we write a missionary. Uh, It's just an encouraging letter. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love receiving encouraging letters, Uh, especially if I'm in a foreign country and uh, and doing what God's called me to do somewhere else. And that's what we do for our missionaries. We write them uh, just something encouraging, telling them that we love them, telling them that the work that they're doing matters, that we're behind them, we're supporting them, uh, not only financially, but praying for them spiritually. And uh, and so we do that at the beginning of every uh, Wednesday night uh, prayer service. And then we have two more set, uh, times of prayer where we actually ask for uh, just a prayer request. We ask God to answer these prayer requests. So if you have one on your way out, uh, you can get one, pick one up of uh, these little papers, uh, and you can write what your prayer request is. If you'll just leave it in one of the pray, um, offering plates, then, uh, then we'll, we'll put it into our uh, book binder of prayer requests. And every Wednesday, I can assure you, we'll be praying for that request. Um, and then we actually follow up as well, okay? So um, if, you're, if you're praying for someone that's in the hospital, uh, we'll be praying for them. You just give us their name and, and really what you want us to be praying about. And then uh, we'll actually follow up in a few weeks to, to see, is that person still in, in the hospital? What's, uh, what's the, the status of, of uh, the prayer request that you asked for? And, and the reason we do that is because we want to keep a record of, of uh, what God is doing. And, uh, and sometimes we can get so caught up in asking God for things that we forget to thank him for the request that he's actually answering. And, uh, and we don't want to do that. The Bible says that we ought to be thankful in all things and for all things. And so uh, we want to do that in our time of prayer as well. So we're actually be, be, going to be doing that. Um, and uh, I saw Josue in the back uh, with a bunch in his hand. I think he wanted to pass them out. Uh, if, so if you want one, uh, you can go ahead and raise your hand, and uh, and and uh, Brother Josue or Saeed 
If you will, just hand these out to anyone that might want a prayer request card. Um, you can fill it out while we're, uh, while we're preaching here, and, uh, and that'll be just fine. Uh, so if you need one of these prayer request cards, you can just uh, raise your hand, and they will bring you uh, one. And, uh, and just see anybody, anybody that has their hand raised will get one. And, uh, and then hopefully, if you need the notes as well, um, you can just tell Saeed when he gets to your uh, section uh, to, uh, to get you the notes as well. Right? Galatians chapter number 5. This is a book that we've been studying for the last, you know, I, I looked it up this morning uh, when I was printing out the notes. Since May. We've been studying this small little letter of uh, six chapters since May. Uh, there's so much truth in it, so much that we've uh, learned about the gospel, about what the gospel means and how it really touches every area of our life. And, and I hope that you've been able to make most of the uh, services and, and been able to study with us as we study through this book of Galatians. Two weeks ago, we, we started chapter number five. And uh, as we got into chapter number five, we said that uh, there's a, a little bit of a, of a shift, a little bit of a pivot as now the Apostle Paul begins to get practical about all that he has shared. And chapter 5 and chapter 6 are all about living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in chapters 1 through 4, he's contrasting the life of grace and the life of law, the life of good works uh, to be saved by or to, to have God's favor, and contrasting that with a life of faith. And receiving God's favor just by faith and the work of Christ on the cross. Now, if we're going to live a life of faith, then we have to live that life by the power of the Spirit. And chapter 5 is all about that. It's all about the freedom that we have. And two weeks ago, we, we learned that if we're going to live by the Spirit, there are things that we have to stand fast in. Things that we need to stand against. Yeah, we saw that in verse uh, 2 and 3 of chapter 5. And then things that we need to stand in, which is the righteousness of Christ. And so any spirit-led and spirit-filled Christian will be living by standing, okay? What we want to learn about today in this passage is about staying in the race. We're going to be reading from verse number 7 of chapter 5 down to verse number 12. And you're going to notice this theme that the Apostle Paul begins to share, and that is staying in the race. A spirit-filled Christian will stay in the race. Now, what do you mean, or what do I mean by staying in the race? Well, the Christian life can be seen as a race that is being run. In fact, the Apostle Paul often would uh, give the analogy or the illustration of uh, running a race uh, and the Christian life. In other words, that the Christian life uh, can, can be seen as uh, a person that is running a race. There is a goal, there is a finish line that we're trying to reach. And that finish line and that goal is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we see in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, for instance, the, that the Apostle Paul says that we ought to bring our body into submission uh, so that we might uh, reach that goal, so that we might receive uh, the crown. Uh, and so we find that the Apostle Paul uses this a lot, this of running a race. Uh, a lot of uh, the Christian life is compared to us as running a race. But in order to finish the race that we are running, we must run well and just stay in it. I like what uh, the Olympic runner Bernard Lagat uh, answered when he was asked. Uh, he was an Olympic runner. He's from Kenya. 
And the, uh, the reporter asked him, listen, Bernard, uh, we've noticed that there's a lot of your countrymen, a lot of people from Africa uh, that are world-class runners. They are, they are amazing runners. They, they win a lot of marathons. Well, what is the secret to that? What, why is it that, uh, that you guys in, in your country of Kenya are such good runners? And, and Bernard answered this way. He thought about it. And then he said, I think it might be the signs that are there in Africa. They all say, beware of lions, right? We're running a lot. We're running a lot. And you know, the Christian life is much that way. Uh, There is a lion uh, that is the devil that walketh about roaring, seeking whom he may devour. And, And that lion had gotten into the church of Galatia and began to confuse them and began to uh, lead them d- down a path that, that would teach that in order to have God's favor in your life, you have to do good works. You have to be this and do this so that you can have salvation. And the Apostle Paul was telling them that's false teaching. That's a false gospel. You must understand that it's not our works that God honors, but the work of Christ on the cross. It's, it's his work and his blood that gives us salvation and when we understand that when that is something that not only we believe but we begin to apply in the different areas of our life then it allows us to stay in the race it allows us to go ahead and finish this race that is the christian life and and to do that to be able to apply that truth of staying in the race we we have to make some decisions today and so you'll notice in verse number seven all the way down to verse number 12 that Paul is encouraging the Christians in Galatia to make some decisions. And there's going to be two that we're going to talk about this morning. But I want you to notice what he writes. Look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7. He writes this. He says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. What is the Apostle Paul here encouraging them to do to stay in this race? He starts off by saying, man, you started the race well, but you've been hindered. That word hindered means stopped. You've been detained. You've been, you've been running into a roadblock. Who led you down that path? Who put that roadblock? Why are you, why are you going that way? And he says, if you're going to avoid that and continue in the race that you have started, you're going to have to make a few decisions. You're going to have to make at least two decisions that we'll see in this passage. The first decision you'll notice is decision to avoid roadblocks. Now, roadblocks are those things in life that stop you from advancing on your way. On a roadway, it could be an accident or, or construction that blocks you. We know that very well where we live, right? I mean, there is tons of construction. Just try to make your way to, to Donna or Westlaco, and, and you'll find that there's a lot of roadblocks. There is uh, things that will obstruct your way to get there. A roadblock is anything that is is stopping you or holding you back from going forward. In fact, 
The word hinder here is the Greek word anakopto, which means to beat back, to hold back. And so Paul is saying in the Christian life, you Galatians, you must understand there are things that are trying to hold you back. You're running this race, but if you're not careful, you can, you can stop running. You can be deterred. You can run into a roadblock. So he says you need to determine, first of all, to avoid those roadblocks in your life, in your Christian walk. Avoid those roadblocks. And what's the first roadblock that he talks about? Notice, if you will, the first one is the roadblock of religiousness. Religiousness. Religiousness always sounds so good and right. Religiousness feels like it could be true and honest. But in reality, religiousness is nothing more than our pride being reinforced and our flesh being fed. It is something that grows bigger and bigger and bigger. He says, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? He said, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, it's not God that put this roadblock there. It's not God that is leading you to live a life of just good works so that you can merit his favor, so you can earn his love. God didn't teach that. God is not for that. So if you're running into that roadblock, why are you running into that roadblock? And the reason is religiousness. Religiosity, I guess, is the word. Uh, just this idea of, of having religion run my life. And, and religion, the difference between a relationship with Christ and a religion in Christ is that really, uh, religion likes to focus on the works. A works-based salvation, a works-based uh, uh, earning or merit of God's love. And Paul says, you know that God loves you whether you're doing good works or not. You know that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you know that God loved someone as evil as Hitler as much as he loves you and me today? Well, that might be hard to comprehend. We say, how can uh, a God is all-knowing and all-seeing love a man like that? And the answer is because it was sin that drove that man to do what he did. To fulfill the atrocities and, and, and do all that he did in that time. It was sin. And you know what? That same sin dwells in us. And if we're not careful, that same sin will take us down that same path. You say, oh, pastor, I, I've not killed anybody. I'm, I've not asked for any kind of mass murder to be done. No. But the Bible says if we are unkind and if we are lying about others, it's like we murdered them. In other words, we, we might not physically be doing those atrocities, but we might be doing it spiritually. And that's why God's love is not really dependent upon our good works. It's dependent because he's an all-loving God. It's dependent on him being merciful, merciful and forgiving and a God of peace. So Paul says, avoid the roadblocks that is religiousness. This idea of somehow earning your way into God's favor. He says, didn't you notice, in verse number nine, he gives a phrase, he says, didn't you notice that a little bit of leaven leaveneth the whole lump? 
little bit of leaven in the dough will make the, the bread begin to expand. And he says, you know, when you get into a life of religion, it just starts growing and growing and growing. It can't be stopped. I remember in uh, 1958, I don't remember, I wasn't alive then. But I mean, in 1958, I should say, there was a movie that came out that uh, some may be familiar with. The movie was called The Blob. If you're not really too familiar with The Blob, it was uh, Steve McQueen's first like big big hit movie. And, and uh, it was considered a horror film at that time. Far from what a horror film would be today, okay? This would be more like... I don't know, a kid's movie, I guess. But um, it's, it's, it's not as maybe scary as, as some that would think of a horror film today. But the, the storyline, if you don't know the storyline about the blob, the storyline is that there's this meteorite that falls, and there's this alien that's in the meteorite. And when it falls, uh, there's this uh, uh, older man at the beginning of the movie that goes and, and uh, just to check it out, because uh, obviously it made a big, uh, big splash. And he goes to check it out, and he sees this, this thing that was left by the meteorite, and he, and he pokes it, and this blob like oozes out of it. And it actually grabs a, a hold of his hand, and, and then he can't like, get his hand free from it. And at that time, uh, Steve McQueen, who's the, the, the famous actor there, uh, his character and, and his girlfriend go, and they pick him up, take him to the doctor, and, uh, and then they start trying to get help without realizing that uh, while they're gone, trying to get the police and other people to help, that the blob begins to consume that man. And, and of course, since he's at the doctor's office, it gets the nurse, and then it gets the doctor, and then, uh, then uh, nobody in the, in, in the uh, city wants to believe them because by the time they get back uh, to the office, the doctor's gone, the nurse is gone, the blob's gone. And then later in the movie, it reappears, and it begins to just start eating everything. In fact, near the end of the movie, it's bigger, and it's about the size of a building. And you know how they kill it? You've got to watch the movie, all right? Uh, that's just a teaser. Watch the movie. You'll find how they, they kill it. But it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I say that because, you know, when you start living a life of religion, that's what happens. Religiousness, it just gets bigger and bigger. You start feeding that and saying, you know what? God loves me more because I'm doing this and this. And I'm, I'm so much more spiritual than everybody else because I'm doing this and this and this. And suddenly, you'll find that all of these rules that you're creating for yourself get bigger and bigger and bigger, and the list gets longer and longer and longer and longer. That's why Paul was, was warning them, hey, listen, Gentiles, you don't need circumcision. It's not going to avail you of anything. It's not going to make God love you anymore. And then he says, you know, but, but, but the danger is if you accept circumcision, then now you've got to accept the rest of the law. And that's going to be your dietary uh, foods that you're going to be eating. And it's going to affect uh, how you dress. And then it's going to affect uh, where you can go. And it's going to affect all kinds of things. And, and before you know it, the list is about 613 commandments. Because it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And that's why Paul keeps coming back to this over and over in this letter. He keeps saying, don't you understand we have freedom? We have liberty in Christ. Uh, we, we can go right past this roadblock. You can avoid that roadblock because religion, will, it'll stop you. It'll drain you. It'll keep you back. He said, avoid the roadblock of religiousness, but also the roadblock of false teachings. False teachings. It's when you uh, grow in this knowledge of wrong doctrine. You know, as Baptists, one of our distinctives is that we believe that the Bible is our final authority in all faith and practice. In other words, if the Bible doesn't say it, we're just not going to practice it. 
as a doctrine in which we are going to live by, we, we must find where it is in Scripture. Where, where does the Bible say that that is the truth and, and that we must follow that? Where, where in the Bible does that teach us that? And what the Apostle Paul was trying to clarify in the mind of the Galatians was, yeah, these false teachers are coming in and they're trying to use the Bible, but they're giving you false teaching. Some of it's not even in the Bible. You can find 613 commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, really through the book of Exodus all the way to the book of Deuteronomy. You can find that. But you know that the rabbis taught way more than that? They would add to those things. As we've been learning through this series, they, they would talk about how far you could walk and not walk on the Sabbath. They talk about what you could have and not have and what you could own and not own and, and how you could relate to some people and not relate to others. In fact, Many of the Jews were taught, you can't talk to people that are not Jews. Be careful with them. They're going to contaminate you if you get around them too much. That's what they were taught. I think today we would call that as a form of racism. Only my race is good. Your race is not. That's what they were taught. So Paul is telling them, careful. Avoid the roadblock of false teachings. The Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul writes Timothy saying, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And with that, because the Bible is all truth, we must rightly divide the truth. In fact, if you go in 2 Timothy chapter 2, just a little earlier in verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you're going to avoid false doctrine in your life, if you're going to avoid that roadblock that will keep you from continuing in the race of the Christian life, you're going to have to study yourself to be approved. You're going to have to rightly divide the word of truth. That means, what does the Bible say? And what does it mean when it says it? What's the Bible teaching in this that we should do in this situation or in this circumstance? What does God want us to know? Why, why did God even have Moses write the book of Genesis? Why do we need to know that history? What's God trying to tell us with that history? Or the book of Exodus? Or a little book in the middle of the Bible like the prophet Micah? Why do we need that book? The, the prophet Nathan? What, what is it teaching us about God or what is God trying to tell us that we need to know. Rightly dividing the word of truth is understanding, okay, I got to study the word of God to see, how is it applying to me? I've used this um, illustration before, but from what I understand and from what I know, my, my mom used to be a, a bank teller. And the way that they would train the employees to spot fake money is not by giving them fake money. In fact, they, they were rarely ever touching fake money. The way that you train a teller, at least back then, I don't know about now, but back then, the way that they would train them is they would give them and let them handle real money all the time. You just get used to handling real money, counting real money, and, 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 and moving real money. And your skin actually will begin to feel and know what real money feels like. And what they would do is, near the end, after training so many hours handling real money, they would throw one or two bills that were fake in the training. And almost 
to a person, they would be able, as they were counting, to go, oh, or this feels different. There's something different about this. It's fake. And sure enough, they were right. That bill would be fake. Even though it looked real, even though it had the, the color that looked real and it had the pictures and the words that looked real, they knew it was fake by that paper. And Paul is saying much the same. If you're going to avoid the roadblock of religiousness, if you're going to avoid the roadblock of wrong teaching, get to know right teaching. That's why it's so important that we're in God's word all the time. That's why it's so important to, to come back to church. You say, oh, because we need good numbers. Well, I don't, who cares about the numbers? What we need is Christians that know the truth. Because it's the truth that will set us free. It's the truth that's the antidote to the disease of sin in our society. It's the truth that will help others avoid the roadblocks in their life. Truth. Paul shares here, first decision you got to make is avoid roadblocks. Let me give you the second one and we'll be done. Advance the gospel. Advance the gospel. Now, because we are humans with a fallen nature, it's easier for us to get distracted from what our main purpose is. And the main purpose is not going to church or teaching a class or getting baptized or memorizing scripture. Our main purpose is to advance the gospel message. That's, that's, that's our purpose. That's what, that's what God has called us to do, each and every one of us, not just pastors, not just missionaries, each and every one of us. He told all of his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what Mark says. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, he says we're to be salt of the earth and light of the world. By the time you get to chapter 28 and verse 19, he's saying you need to go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded. We find that we are to advance the gospel. And, and once you get into verse number 10, verse number 11, and verse number 12, Paul writes this. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded you're not going to run into the roadblocks anymore. You're not going to have that kind of mindset, he says. But he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he is. Whoever's trying to lead you with their false doctrine and with their religious teaching. Listen, I, I'm pretty confident that you're not going to keep following that. And I'm pretty confident you're going to advance the gospel. And I, brethren, he says, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. In other words, people were saying of him, these false teachers, well, well, Paul's all for circumcision. He told Timothy to get circumcised. He's for circumcision. And they're starting to twist Paul's words and try to use them against him. And Paul was teaching those that were of Jewish descent. He was trying to reach them with the gospel and trying to tell them that it's not the law that's going to save them, but faith in Christ. And in order to reach them, Timothy, who was half Jewish, he said, I, I need you to get circumcised. They're not, they're not going to listen to you. They've been taught. You don't talk to anyone that's not your race. So in order to try to reach them, Paul said, listen, let's, let's just do that. Make that decision. And Timothy, uh, to his credit, was willing to do that. But then you have Titus, which we learned at, in chapter 2 of this book of Galatians, that Paul said, no, he doesn't need to get circumcised. He's Gentile. He, that, that, it, circumcision and, and not being circumcised has nothing to do with our relationship with God. But now people are trying to use that against him. 
And Paul said, listen, if I preached that, if I did preach about circumcision, why would they be persecuting me? That's what they're saying that, you know, they're against, of, of me not pushing circumcision enough. He said, but here's the reason why I don't want to come across and, and let you say, well, let's, you know, get circumcised or don't get circumcised. He said, none of that avails you to anything with God. And here's the, here's the bad part. It can be used to make the cross or the gospel of none effect. He said, what these false teachers are saying is, if you just get circumcised, God, you know, God's good with you. You're part of the, of the Israel nation now, and you don't need the cross. And then Jesus died in vain then. And Paul said, listen, that's not the gospel. Fulfilling the law is not the gospel. Faith in the work of Christ, that's the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the gospel. That's what we believe. That's what transformed us. So make the decision of advancing the gospel. How do we do this? We do this in the midst of misunderstandings and lies. We share the gospel message even when we were being misunderstood. Paul was being misunderstood. Paul was being lied about about what his ministry was all about and the message was all about. Paul didn't let him st that stop him. Paul continued with the gospel. In fact, I put in your notes 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 down to verse number 20. He was telling Timothy to war a good warfare. Fight a good fight. Hold the faith in good conscience. And he said, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And he names two of them, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And Paul said, I've delivered them unto Satan. Because they're confusing people. They're doing their own work. They're doing the devil's work, if you want to put it that way, not God's work. They're lying about me. They're, they're trying to twist and mis make people misunderstand the teaching that I have of the gospel. But he said, that's not going to stop me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. So through misunderstandings and through lies, Paul wanted to advance the gospel, but also with intensity and conviction. We must advance the gospel with intensity and conviction. When you get to verse number 12, I want you to notice the conviction. In the King James, it translates, I would, they were even cut off, which trouble you. In the New Living Translation, you would find it said, I wish that they would mutilate you themselves and quit asking you to mutilate yourself. That's pretty strong words. The Apostle Paul wasn't doing that for effect, just to, ah. Uh, but you can see, I mean, you could almost hear the passion in that written word. He's saying, what they're teaching you is so bad about circumcision, I wish they would just cut off that whole member from their body. That they would just castrate themselves. That's what he means when he says, I wish that they were cut off. It means I wish that they would just castrate themselves. That's how intense he is about how wrong about what they're doing. How wrong they are in what they're sharing in the false teachings and in the religiousness that they're teaching these people in Galatia. He's saying, man, I wish that would happen. Why? Because he wanted to advance the gospel. And let me just say, 
I'm not all for right now going on Facebook and say, if you don't like the gospel, you can castrate yourself. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's not what the Apostle Paul was doing when he said that. But he was making something clear. We ought to have a conviction about what the gospel is and what the gospel does. There ought to be an intensity that says, when there's some false teaching out there, we're going we're to teach against that. When there's a church that says, if you can just follow through these seven sacraments, heaven's waiting for you, that's not true. When there's a church that says, well, uh, Jesus really isn't God. He's just kind of the, the son of God. He's just like one of, of many gods. No, he's not. He is God in the flesh. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That is Jesus Christ. When there's a church out there that's preaching or teaching false doctrine, we're going to stand against it. There's one that's saying, well, you know what? I just think a man should be able to be married two or three or four or five or 55 times. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. The Bible says the husband of one wife, the wife of one husband. That kind of false teaching we're going to stand against. Why? Because we are here and called to advance the gospel. Advance the gospel. This morning, if we're going to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, two crucial decisions. Number one, avoid the roadblocks. You want to finish the race that you've been called to? Through Christ, avoid the roadblocks. Don't let religion take over in your life. This religiousness of, man, I got to do this for these good works so that God loves me. Listen, God will love you. What's better than good works, a life of faith is better. Living by faith is better. Now, we're going to get into how practical that can be starting next week in verse number 13. Paul starts to be a little more specific on living by the Spirit and by faith and how that's manifested. But just for today, just for today, Avoid allowing religion to get in a hold of your life and this false doctrine. Don't allow that. It, it'll, it'll mess us up and it'll get us off the path. The second decision is advance the gospel. Filter everything in your life through the gospel. Listening to um, a sports talk show called The Dan Patrick Show and um, last week they had Tim Tebow on there. Some that are into sports would know Tim Tebow. He was the quarterback of the Florida Gators, won a national championship, went to the NFL, and won a playoff game with the Denver Broncos. And what I love most about Tim Tebow is not his athletic ability, who he's very gifted, played professional um, football, played professional uh, baseball in the minor leagues for the New York Mets. Very talented. I praise God for his talent. He's, he's an amazing talent. But I really appreciate about Tim Tebow is the message that he gives of the gospel. Even on that radio program, talks about his, he would talk about his faith. Even on national TV, on ESPN, he'd talk about his faith. Or if he's on CBS or ABC or whatever station he uh, gets on, he always says, man, I, just, I thank God for the opportunity that I can share my faith with people. And you should hear him talk. Man, he gets intense about it. He's got a conviction about what the gospel can do. I'm simply saying to us this morning, 
we're going to stay in the race, got to advance the gospel. Every opportunity God gives us, share the gospel. Share that message that's a transforming message. That way we might get to the finish line and hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. This morning, two decisions. Avoid roadblocks, advance the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it. Father, it's, it's amazing when we think about just how transforming your gospel is. How it leads us to live a life that is spirit-filled. One that is guided and informed and empowered by your spirit. It's enabled to do way beyond what we ask or think. Way beyond what we could even imagine could be done. And so this morning, Father, as we study this short passage of what a spirit-filled Christian does, I pray that we would apply that truth into our lives so that we might stay in the race. Help us, Father, to be able to be spirit-led in all that we do. Help us to avoid any kind of religiousness in our life or wrong teaching, wrong doctrine. Give us your wisdom, your understanding that as we study more and more of your word, we would see the truth and know the truth and walk in truth and live it every day by that truth. Because we need it, Father. Work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. I'm going to ask if you would to stand with me and we're going to sing this last final song, Bow the Knee. And um, a wonderful song that reminds us of who it is that we're serving, who it is that we're following after in the race that is before us. I'm going to ask those who are being baptized, if, uh, if you would, y'all can make your way through the, uh, this door over here and we'll get changed. And, and after this song, we'll have uh, our time of, uh, of baptisms and uh, we'll celebrate with those that are uh, taking this step of obedience. But let's go ahead and sing this song while we get prepared for that.
His hands heals the power of creation. With His voice He spoke and all things came to be. Yet He hears His simple prayer I bring before Him. When I humbly seek His face and bow the knee, bow the knee. seated and thank you worship team i know they made ready back there we're gonna uh, just take a few moments here uh, we are so thankful and just to remind everybody um believers baptism is the next step after salvation right after you've declared your faith and trust in jesus christ uh then the bible tells us that um jesus gave the example and we see it throughout the new testament time and time again of uh, Christians uh, taking that step of obedience in believer's baptism. And it's just a public uh, display or public proclamation of an internal truth. And uh, you'll notice uh, Pastor Jeremy will speak about uh, being buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And that is uh, the the physical uh, reality of uh, when a Christian uh, 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 is baptized. It is reminding us that Jesus laid down his life, and uh, we are uh, given a new life in Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, the, um, the act, the very act of, that, of baptism is doing exactly that. And so, uh, we're thankful for that. I know, I think, I, I think there's three or four uh, that are being baptized today, and we're thankful for that. Uh, younger, middle-aged, older, right? We got a little bit of everything. And so, uh, we're thankful for what God is doing as a church, multi-generational church doing uh, and seeing the work of the gospel in many, many uh, different lives. And I also want to use this as an opportunity to say, if you've not been baptized, uh, then make sure you sign up for one of our uh, new members classes. That's going to be part of uh, the process that you're going to do and uh, going through the new members class. And then uh, you'll be able to be ready to uh, join in believers baptism. And it's just a way for us to make sure that uh, you thoroughly understand everything that's taking place as a Christian and uh, something that to know that baptism doesn't save. It is just a public display of an internal reality or an internal decision that has been made. And so we're thankful for that. So we're going to give the time to Pastor Jeremy. And I don't know if the rest are ready, but we'll give the time over to Pastor Jeremy. Well, what a blessing it is today to be uh, celebrating uh, those that are taking this first step in obedience. And in the Christian life, uh, as Pastor John was saying, we first accept Christ as our personal Savior, uh, which is a decision that we make in our heart, but then baptism is a public expression of that faith, and uh, and it's considered uh, to be that first step of obedience in the life of a Christian, to publicly just say, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I want everyone to know it. And so uh, this morning, we, we celebrate uh, with those that are uh, making that decision and taking that step today. And so uh, let's 
first one this morning is going to be uh, Brother Jose de Hoyos, and uh, I praise God for him and for his family. Uh, they, they came, uh, his wife actually grew up here in our church uh, and, um, and was saved and baptized uh, when she was younger, but Jose uh, made a profession of faith and has accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and today is making the decision of, a spe- of uh, following through in baptism. Now, uh, Jose, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. On that uh, testimony of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Our, uh, our next one is his uh, younger youngest son, uh, Darío. Uh, and I praise God for that deal. In fact, I, I was uh, talking with, I believe, his uh, mom this past week, and he was at Fields of Faith, the um, activity they do at school, uh, sharing his faith and standing up for his faith. And I, I appreciate our young people that uh, take the time uh, to uh, attend those things and to really share their faith with their friends. Such a big step in the life of a Christian uh, to evangelize, as we said this morning. Now, that you, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. That testimony, then, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his birth. And then this third one is his older brother, Mauro uh, de Hoyos. And I, I love seeing uh, families uh, make this decision together. What a, what a blessing it is uh, to see dad and then brother and now the other brother. Uh, come and make this decision. Now, I got to I gotta let you guys know, he's a linebacker for the high school at La Jolla, and so I've been working out all week just so I could baptize him. I, I didn't want to leave him in the water underneath, but uh, uh, it's been great uh, to have them as, as part of our church and, and, and our youth, and uh, so proud of the decision they're making today. Otto, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Yes, sir. That testimony, then, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very like of his death. Praise in the likeness of his resurrection. What a blessing to see that whole family uh, make that decision uh, of obeying in baptism. It's great. Uh, their uh, grandmother is here to, to witness that as well. And, and what a blessing. What a blessing when our faith gets passed on to the second and then a third generation. And it's just awesome to see. Uh, this morning is also a great celebration to, uh, to have uh, Brother Alvaro. Vela, uh, also uh, making this decision of following the believer's baptism. Uh, he came with, uh, with his wife uh, about a year and a half ago somewhat, uh, during 2020 year, and, uh, and God began to work in, uh, in, in their hearts. Um, and uh, I mentioned this last week. Uh, I remember praying uh, with Daniela, praying with Josiah, uh, that God would begin to touch the, the hearts of her parents. And, uh, and God began to work through the pandemic year, and, uh, and his wife got saved, and then she got baptized and brought her, uh, her other son, uh, Aris, and he got saved, and, and his wife, Vanessa, got saved and baptized. And, uh, and Alvaro, just the other day, we were uh, talking a few months ago, and I said, Alvaro, have you made that decision to accept Christ? He said, I have. And I said, well, um, are you willing to get baptized and follow in obedience? And he said, Pastor, I, I think I'm ready. And uh, it's such a, a, an awesome thing to hear when somebody wants to obey and follow Christ publicly that way. And, uh, and today we celebrate with him in that. Uh, Brother Alvaro, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? 
In that testimony, then, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Man, I hope you're excited this morning about seeing others uh, publicly declare their, their love and their faith in Christ, and uh, what an exciting thing to come to you on a Sunday morning to church. Brother John, if you would, me, come in and lead us maybe in one more song as we get ready, and, uh, and then we'll be joining you shortly. Amen. Would you stand with me together? I know we've dragged on a few more minutes, but it was well worth it. That was awesome. Uh, just to see each one of those stories, you know, each life, each one of those baptisms represents something special and a work of God and the gospel, the work of the gospel and what the gospel means and can do uh, as a church. I hope we never get tired of how exciting and exhilarating it is to see the work of the gospel and to see what God does. Let's worship and let's finish this time singing, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Let's worship that. you go ahead and be seated as the worship team gets down as well. Uh, we'll just give a few minutes here. I know Pastor Jeremy and the rest of them are getting ready, but uh, just want to once again say thank you for being a part of this service. 
I thank you for being here this morning, each and every one of you. And we're thankful. We pray that uh, this uh, time of service will have been a blessing to your life, that you'll walk out encouraged uh, from the preaching, the truth of God's word, but also encouraged. I always think of baptism. I, I think back of my own spiritual walk and uh, realizing that, man, that step of faith and that uh, public identification, uh, it, it, it carries forward with us, and it's something that we should embrace, and reminding us tomorrow when you go back to work, when you go back to school, that uh, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. They're placed on that, in that place, in that work environment, in that school for a purpose, to be able to shine a light, and uh, as uh, redeemed, baptized children of the Lord, that we should be the example and the light that now these are joining in with us and being able to follow the Lord that way. And so we're thankful for that. Pastor Jeremy, come and share with us here. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand, if you would, and uh, we'll pray to be uh, dismissed. Did y'all just sit? Oh, well, y'all can stand because we're going to be we're going to be praying to dismiss. Uh, it's kind of like uh, what's that game? Uh, yeah, head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? We're, we're just using seats. Um, so we're we're going to head and. Um, and, uh, and dismiss with a word of prayer, but uh, after, after we're dismissed, if you want to take some pictures with those that were baptized, uh, you'll notice I'll have a shirt that says, I have decided to follow Jesus, and that's what baptism is all about, is telling others, I have decided to follow Jesus. By the way, I want to thank uh, uh, Idis and Vanessa, for they're the ones that print these shirts for us and design them for us, and uh, we've been using them this year, and they've been a huge, huge, yeah, you can clap and, and thank them if you would. Um, they didn't have to do that. They did that, and I, they do it for both services, English and Spanish, and so thankful for that. But uh, after we dismiss, if you want to take pictures on the platform next to the Bapti- uh, baptistry, please feel free to do that. Or if you want to do it here in the lobby, wherever you want to take pictures, uh, that would be good. But I would encourage you, take pictures, and then post it, okay? Post it on Facebook or uh, Instagram or somewhere, all right? Uh, just let's get the word out uh, that uh, they are making a decision uh, in uh, following and obeying in believer's baptism, and I think that would be awesome to celebrate uh, for everyone. Let's go ahead and pray, and, uh, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you once again for your many blessings. Thank you so much for those that came this morning and obeyed and followed in this believer's baptism. Father, I pray that you would be with them and bless them, each one of them and their families. I pray that you would uh, strengthen them. I pray that now as they uh, uh, continue on this journey in the race Uh, that is the Christian life. I pray that they would stay faithful. I pray that they would stand firm, that they would live by the power and the filling of your spirit. And then, Father, I I ask that uh, there would be fruit that remains in their lives that would glorify our Savior, Jesus Christ, that would honor you, that would, uh, Father, lead others to the saving knowledge. And and so, Father, please uh, work now in the lives of uh, each one of them and then work in our lives as well, Father, we could be a help and a blessing, encouraging and challenging and exhorting one another. So uh, be with us now throughout this week, we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. We are dismissed. So it's good, by the way, to have the Science family with us as well, celebrating uh, today with uh, Brother Vela's baptism. We will see you tonight, 5 o'clock, in our uh, connection groups.